All right, we are continuing in our series called Catalyst as we walk through the book of Acts, looking at how God is a, a beginning force of power of life and transformation in our lives. And we're exploring how the very same things that the early church struggled with are the things that we're struggling with. And we can find truth and guidance in what God did then, knowing that it's what God's going to do now. I also need to say, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, so grateful for all of you ladies who serve as a mom in any way, uh, whether it's biological or you've just served in a mentoring role for uh, the next generation coming up behind you. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. And today as we're walking through uh, our next chapter of the book of Acts, we're going to talk about something that every mama wants us to have, and that is integrity. Now, integrity is something that we have a great deficit of in our world today. And it is deeply, deeply needed. Now, what is integrity? Integrity is just being a, a whole and complete so that what I say and do matches the reality of who I am. That there's no duplicity, there's no I think this and feel this, but I say that and do that, and I'm trying to make sure that I, I know what I said and what I did. It's just saying that this is who I am, and what I believe and what I think, I'm going to say it, I'm going to do it. Now there's some real enemies in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, when it comes to integrity. Uh, one of those enemies is insecurity. Where I can't find that worth and value, God-given worth and value from within me. And so I feel like I've got to get it from other people. And so I'll try to control the image and the message that you see so that I can get some kind of value and worth in return. Another enemy we have is pride. Where we're so blinded by who we think we are or who we're trying to be that we don't realize how sometimes what we say and do doesn't match up with who we really are. Another enemy for us is so much of the time is greed. Maybe not just for money, but just for anything in life where I want more and more and more. So I'll try to control the message, try to control the image, try to control what you see and hear about me so that I can get what I want in return. But as followers of Jesus, we want to change the narrative where we're not trying to control, but we're willing to surrender to what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is trying to do in our lives, that we can live with integrity. We can let go of this, this effort to control and manipulate the image. Because here's one of the, the truths of God. With God, when the message and the image doesn't match reality, then the message and the image doesn't matter at all. And we've got to be willing that what's in my heart, what's in my mind, is healthy and good and I'm living it out. So let's take a deep dive. Uh, That's what we're going to be looking at today. How do we live with integrity? We're going to be in Acts chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 11. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, 
Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. All right. What in the world? All right, like we got people dropping dead. You know, what, what in the world is going on? People are afraid. Of course they're afraid. Right? What is the big problem that was such a big problem that God said, Ananias, Sapphira, we can't roll with this, and so you're gone. What was it that was so problematic? Well, let's take a look. First two verses. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought what? Part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Here's the problem that was such a big problem for God and his movement in the early church. Now, what was it? Now, certainly greed played a part here. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira wanted more. They were greedy for more. Uh, maybe they had a hard time trusting God to, to submit and surrender what he had given to them. And greed is a big problem for a lot of us. None of us want to raise our hand and admit that, but, but deep in our hearts, if we continue to have this longing for more stuff, I wonder if greed might be a problem. And it often blinds us to ways that we have other sin in our life in the name of greed. But greed is not the primary issue here. What was the primary issue? It was deception. That Ananias and Sapphira claimed one thing and they lived another. Yes, this is the full amount that we got. We're bringing it to the church. And here you go, knowing well and good that it was only part of the amount. Lying to the church, lying to God. And found themselves in major, major, major hot water. You see, we often are tempted the very same way that Ananias and Sapphira were trying to control what people see, living out one thing but believing and thinking another, trying to, to make ourselves appear more virtuous than we really are. So here's what happens in our life is that we manipulate truth in order to control people. We will withhold truth. We will sometimes even twist truth to try to control 
the people around us. Sometimes it's that we're trying to control our reputation. We want to control what people think about us. Sometimes we're trying to control relationships. We want to control how people will receive us. Other times we're trying to control the return. We want to control what people do for us or what people will give to us. And so we'll twist and we'll withhold and we'll speak the truth that we want to speak and we'll share the image or, or the message that we want seen or heard in this attempt to try to control the people around us and how they relate to us. Well, there's two major, major problems with this attempt. Number one is that when we manipulate the truth to control people, we never really get what we're after. One of the reasons for that is because the worth and the value that we're trying to find doesn't come from other people. It comes from the God who created us. It comes from the God who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to free us from sin, who loves us so much that said, I'm not just going to forgive you, but I want to live in you. So here's my Holy Spirit. We can't get that from others. There's not another person on this planet in all of history or future to come that can give you worth and value because no one has breathed life into you. No one has laid your days out before you except for God. Another problem that, that we face when we're trying to, to manipulate truth to control people is that we, in our attempt, we actually make ourselves slaves to the opinions of others. We want to have lives of freedom. We want to have lives of blessing. But we are so fixated on what other people think of me, how other people are going to treat me, what are they going to see about me, how are they going to receive me, that we become slaves to what they think. We become slaves to how they treat us. We become slaves to their opinions of us. And we find ourselves trapped. And so we need to be able to break free from, from this attempt to manipulate and control the people around us. But there's a second big problem. It's not just that we don't get what we're after. It's that when we try to manipulate truth to control people, truth gets lost altogether. And isn't that the great problem of our age? Is that everybody is telling their own version of the story? That everybody is controlling the image with filters and, and half-truths and, and twisting the story and, and only letting you see what they want you to see. And we do that. We only let people see what we want them to see. And, and God forbid they ever see what happens behind closed doors or what's happening in my heart and my mind. And we become trapped and enslaved and truth gets lost. This is critical. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have one primary role in this life, and it is to be a messenger of truth. And in order to be a messenger of truth, we must be reliable witnesses. And if everyone around us is always wondering what version of the story are they getting that day, are they really seeing who this person really is, then how can we ever be reliable witnesses and messengers of truth? 
That we've got to make sure that we're not driven or swayed by a political narrative or a cultural narrative or a narrative that's going to make me more comfortable. But I'm willing to step into the hard places to say, this is who I am. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm incomplete. But thank God there is a Savior who did for me what I could not do. He took my place on the cross and he set me free and God knows I'm not who I want to be, but he's making me. And every day I'm more of who God has created me to be. And we can share that truth. That is so critical for us as followers of Jesus that we've got to be willing to trade and let go of control so that we can embrace integrity. And the way that we do that is we put our focus back on God. That everything we do in life, God is the center of it. And we begin to live under and recognize that truth. That was the truth that Peter tried to make clear to Ananias and Sapphira. Let's take a look. Verses 3 through 5 and verse 9 and 10. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to who? The Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. And then we turn to Sapphira. She comes in three hours later and she gives the same spiel, the same lie. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring, and here it is again, to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Ananias, Sapphira, you think you're lying to us. You think you're trying to manipulate us. You think you're trying to control us. But the reality is, is that you're lying to God. And we know that you want to appear to be more virtuous than what you really are. You want us to think that you're better than what you really are. And you think that you can bring that one over on us and lie to us. But God knows your heart. You can't lie to God. God knows what's happening here. See, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to offer part and claim it was the whole. And what did God do? God said, I don't want any of it. See, the very real danger for us is that when we offer part of who we are and claim it is that the whole of who we are, that God might not receive any of it. There might not be any partial credit at all. Maybe God's not grading on a curve. Maybe God says, I want all of you because I've done all for you. That all I'm asking is you for to trust Jesus to do for you what you could not do and surrender to me. I don't want you to try to manipulate me or control me. I just want you to trust me. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira struggled to do. They thought, well, maybe we can control this situation. We can manipulate the truth and control what we want in return. And it doesn't work that way. See, what we need to understand is that everything I do, I do 
unto God. Everything. Whether I intend it to be or not, God is the center of everything I do. Every breath, every word, every action, every thought. All the bad things I do in life, all the mistakes, all the ways that I reject God's truth, it may hurt me, it may hurt other people, but it's against God. It's against His truth, it's against His holiness, it's against His grace and His love. All the good things I do are not things that make me great, but I do them unto God. That when I care for others who are hurting, when I lift out a hand, when I love somebody, when I'm compassionate, when I forgive, when I give grace, when I pray for people, I'm doing it unto God because it's God working through me, not something I'm doing in and of myself. Everything I do, I do unto God. And that we can begin to see it all from God's point of view. That we begin to see other people from God's point of view. That every person is a person that, that Jesus died for. That every calling is a calling that God wants to do through me. It's not just that God wants me to do things for him, but he wants to work through me. And I can do it all to God. That I begin to see myself in God's light. Knowing that I don't need to compare myself to others because God tells me who I am. God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I died for you. You are valuable to me. You are worth something to me. You are precious to me. You are my child. And you don't need to compare yourself to anybody else because they're my children too. And I died for them too. And you're all in the same boat together. See, really the only comparison that really matters in life is my life with Jesus or my life without Jesus. And being willing to see that the only power in life is with Jesus. And that I want that power to be living in and through me. Ultimately, that was what was at stake. That's why this was such a big deal. It's because God needed the world to see his power at work in and through the church. A power that cannot be controlled or manipulated or twisted however we want to use it, but it is the hand of God at work. Take a look, verse 11. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Great fear, this word great fear, it's megas phobos. It means that an intense, a growing uh, terror that took place over the world of not just the church, but everybody who heard what had happened. In other words, the people looked at this event and they realized, if they didn't realize before, you know what? This God, this Yahweh, this, this Father of Jesus, he's got to be taken seriously. This God is holy. This God is powerful. This is not a God like all the other gods that I've heard about that I can appease or control with my behavior or my rituals. No, this is the King and Lord of the universe who holds all things in his hands and he calls the shot. He is sovereign. He's in control, not me. And wow, I, I better bow down to him. 
So much of the time we talk about grace and we talk about forgiveness and we talk about God's love. And that's true that we, we come into life because of God's kindness and his beauty and his forgiveness and what Jesus has done for us. That he's come with mercy. That we don't have to, to have our act all together. All God wants us to do is to come to Jesus. But in the very same breath, God is holy. He's God. He's not to be manipulated or controlled. And what I so desire for you and for me and for the church around the world is that people would see the power of God living in and We come with open hands, surrendered, and say, God, I want to serve and worship you. So here's a truth that we can all understand is that authentic living for Jesus moves people to God. Just being real, just being honest. Like, you know, it's not about me being great. It's about God being great. And yeah, I've got brokenness. And yeah, I've got hurt. And yeah, I've got pain. And a lot of that is self-inflicted. And I've done it to other people. And I don't have my act all together. And I don't have it figured out. But thanks be to God that Jesus does. Thanks be to God that Jesus died for me. Thanks be to God that Jesus came running after me and he's still pursuing me and he's changing me and he's transforming me and he's got a plan for me and he does for you too. See, the reality is when we try to act like we're perfect and we only let people see what we want to see and we're trying to control the narrative and the story, we're not pointing to the cross. It's in our brokenness that God has made great. It's in our weakness that God is strong. It's in our failures that we can come back to God and ask God forgiveness and confess to one another so we can have healing and we can have a testimony that God is great and God is merciful. God is loving. God is powerful. He is for me and he can be for you. See, I believe in my, deep in my heart that it's those that wrestle with our own brokenness and are willing to be real and authentic with, with ourselves and with others and to stop trying to control our life and the relationships and everything and just let go and let God take over. It's those who are willing to do that that become real passionate sharers of Jesus. See, I believe this truth is that people saved by Jesus share Jesus. When we know that we're in need, we're willing to share that with others. When we know we've been saved, we're willing to throw a life raft to others. When we know it's not because of us, we're willing to invite others in. That's my prayer for us, is that we would be a people saved by Jesus who wanna share Jesus. Not control the story, not control people, not manipulate the truth to get what we want. Just say, there's a God who loves me and he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I will surrender and submit to him. If you'll stand, we're gonna close out with one final song. And as we have each and every week, these altars are available for you to come and pray, come and meet with the Lord. Those of you at home, I invite you to meet with God and, and pray and ask God to stir in your heart. And specifically, I will lift up one of three challenges to you. Maybe where you are today is that you need to get real with God. You've been praying maybe all the things you think God wants you to pray and not really what is in your heart and your mind. 
Maybe you've been trying to hold back some places of your life. Maybe some things you're not proud of and you don't want God to see that. Well, guess what? God does see that and he still loves you and he's still for you. Will you surrender it to him? Maybe you've been trying to manipulate and control God your whole life just so that you can get into heaven, but you never really surrendered to him. What would it look like today to say, I'm all in, Jesus? Not what I can do, but what you can do. Just, I'm giving you my life. I trust you. Maybe some of us need to get real with God. Maybe some of us need to repent that you've been holding things back for way too long, and today you can come and confess. And say, God, I know you know this, but I've not said it to you. And I need to say it so that I can have healing and a new way forward. And I'm going to change direction with your help. And then some of us, really all of us, here's my encouragement. Find one person. Find one person in your life that you can practice being real with, that you can trust, that you can confess to. And you say, I'm struggling with this and I don't just have an issue. This is sin and I need forgiveness, but I need healing. And would you walk with me and help me move forward? I'm fearful of this. I'm anxious about this. I can't walk away from this and I need somebody to walk with me. And I'm tired. Gosh, it's so heavy and so tiresome to always control the image. I'm tired of that, and I just want to be honest with you. And let somebody love you as you are, not as you should be, just as God does. Let somebody walk with you, and you be that to somebody else. So what's your takeaway today? You're going to be real with God. Maybe it's time to confess. Maybe it's time to be honest with somebody. Let's take off the mask and let what we say and do match the reality. And let Jesus do for us what only he can do. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you and we celebrate who you are. You are a God, whether we recognize it or like it or not, you are a God who knows us. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. God, but you see into us. You know every thought, every word before it comes to our mind or it comes to our lips. You know the days numbered before us. Father, I pray that we'd have the willingness to surrender to you, knowing that you love us, even though you know us. God, I pray that we'd surrender to the work you want to do in us and through us. I pray that we'll be a church, God, that will be real, that'll be honest, be authentic, that we won't spin up a narrative, a story to try to look better than what we are, that we'll say, you know what? God is the only one is great. Jesus is great. The cross is great. And we want to make much of you. God, help us to live that way. Invitationally, Lord, with grace, with mercy, with kindness, with gentleness. Earning trust and earning love from one another, God by the way we we receive each other fully. Help us to serve you each and every day, God, knowing that you are living in us and through us each and every step of the way. Come, Holy Spirit, and work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.